Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. This is your host, <clears throat> Clearing the Throat. Just kidding. This is your host, Larry Morrison, the financial shaman, the alchemist, ready to dive into something. I um, was making some videos <coughs> for the internets and the community for the publics and this topic came out of me and I was like man I could totally explore this some more and so that's what I want to do is just give a long format to what I basically gave a synopsis of on a video um, specifically about dating when you're broke or dating when you're having money problems and dating when dating someone with money problems and how money problems can affect your love life, right? So, let's dive in. Let's see, where do we want to dive in? Hmm. If I was imagining you with me out for a walk, where would you want to dive in? Let's start with dating someone with money problems, okay? Now, there's obviously different stages of dating. And you might be thinking to yourself, I've been married for so long, this isn't going to do me any good. I'm just going to hang up or end this podcast. And I'm just like, wait a minute. First of all, it doesn't matter how long you've been in a relationship for, you're still dating. Dating means you're always searching for the perfect person to evolve with at any given moment. So to be like I've been in a relationship for a very long time is sticky at best. Now, if you're a soulmate... And you found your soulmate, you know, kindly disregard all this. But my point is, even if you are a soulmate, you have to recognize that you may not be able to fulfill all your soulmate's needs, right? Or your your relationship needs. And that things evolve. You change. They change. Things change. So even if you're like, I've been in this relationship for 20 years, this information might come in handy at some point. (laughs) Be open to that, is all I'm saying. Okay. Um, where was I? Now, if you're just starting dating someone or, you know, you're flirting and you're, you know, going on your first couple dates or what have you, and you notice they have money problems, it's not a, a red flag right away. It is something that is challenging them to grow. If they're open to the challenge. So my point is, never do anything of a knee-jerk reaction because of some past experience. <clears throat> you know, if, if you said to yourself, well, you know, my last relationship, you know, they were 
um, an alcoholic and I'll never date alcoholics again, you could see someone having a few drinks and be like, I don't, I don't even want to deal with it. I don't want, I just want somebody who's pure sober and you could miss out on a great relationship because of a past experience, a past trauma that has created belief systems to protect you from what you think is the same problem happening again, but in actuality, it's not. You're protecting yourself from a good thing, right? So never have knee-jerk reactions to things. Now, red flags are important to look for in a relationship. Obviously, you don't want to avoid red flags. I'm just saying... A money problem might not necessarily be a red flag unless your heart says so. When your heart says it's a red flag, then it's a red flag. Before that, it's just a conversation starter with your heart to say, okay, I'm noticing this pattern of behavior in this person I'm dating. How do I want to address it? And you're going to address that question or that answer from that question in two ways. What's mine and what's theirs? Always remember, every time you're dating, every time you're starting a new relationship, in a, a, been in a relationship for a while, or been in a relationship for a long time, every single relationship you will ever have or have ever had has one purpose and one purpose alone. To help you evolve. Ideally in a fun way, because if you're evolving with assholes, that just sounds like a shitty life. So, ideally you have the people you're with are fun, or fun-loving, or, you know, kind, nice people. But if not, you know, that's, then that's perfect too. And the point is, <clears throat> other people are our mirrors. They help us evolve by showing us blind spots in their behavior and in our own. So someone could see your behavior that you don't even see because it's a blind spot, right? Just like telling a fish there in water, you've been doing a pattern of behavior this whole time. I'll give you an example. When I first started dating my soulmate, all my baggage showed up. You see, every other time in relationships, I always had the ability to cut bait and leave. When you find your soulmate, you don't have that chicken exit anymore. <laughs> you got to look squarely at your stuff, so your baggage tends to show up. So, and no different, mine showed up when she showed up. And one of the things I noticed about my patterns of behavior is that I tend to lead when in a relationship. Just naturally, it's just kind of who I am. Right? But until she pointed it out that she's like, I don't feel like we're equal. I had to take a step back and be like, oh wow, this is how I'm, I, my pattern of behavior is in relationships. And so I had to look at what's triggering her not good enough stuff, what's triggering mine, right? All this stuff showed up. But the point is, she was my mirror. She pointed something out that I couldn't see myself. Oh, okay, and that's exactly what relationships are all about the other way you see it is you see someone's behavior and if you spot it you got it so if i see a pattern 
in her behavior, for instance, I don't know, that's just like she's kind of flippant with strangers or something. I don't know. Then I got to check in with me and be like, and ask my heart and myself, am I doing that? I mean, is that a bad thing? Am I judging that? Is Am I judging that in myself? So other people, especially the people we're dating, are our mirrors, no matter what level of dating you're at. That's, that's the whole point of being in a relationship, is now you have a team that you're helping evolve together. Because <sighs> you can do more, if you're in a true interdependent relationship, you can do more together than separate. Now, of course, there's times where you need to be alone and check in with your own heart and, you know, take your own medicine and align with your own frequency. Of course. But the point is, no one is meant to evolve alone all of the time. Because then there would be no point to having other people at all in the game that you're playing, in your world, right? So... Other people help us evolve ideally in a fun way. Now, let's say, knowing that, let's say you just started dating someone. And again, you see this, and what? There's two ways you can approach this. You say, okay, I see this pattern of behavior in the person I'm dating that I've just started dating. The first thing I have to do is check in with me. Do I have money problems? Do I have scarcity issues? Am I bringing my money baggage into the mix? And obviously you can only know from your heart. Now here's the other thing. Traditionally, if you know, a man's dating a woman, and this is not about the sexuality with regard to what's right or wrong. I don't, you know, totally love doesn't care what sexual organs you have. You know, love whoever you want to love. Doesn't matter to me. Unconditional love doesn't care, right? So, um, do you, but what I'm saying is men and women have gender roles that are brainwashed into them through childhood and through adulthood, through society. Particularly with men, they are brainwashed to believe they have to be the provider and kind of, you know, pay for the dates, especially in the beginning and kind of, you know, be the you know, pick them up in the car and all this stuff is, some of these roles have been eroding over time, you know, throughout where we are in evolution, where we are as a species, you know, it's now very much more Tinder and Netflix and chill, but there's still a lot of chivalry and a lot of, um, you know, not, not that chivalry's that's, chivalry's great, that's awesome, but like, my point is there's still a lot of like, handed down belief structures from past generations and one of them is men have to kind of be the provider for the relationship if it's a man-woman relationship so and then the female when it comes to money a lot of times they are taught if they're not taught money they're taught how to kind of find a man with money or they have to go learn it on their own through trial and error, through life. Life teaches them about money, right? So they're, typically most women have the choice of, I can either be a mother, which means I have to find someone who's a good provider, 
so that I can be a stay-at-home mom, if that's something that you want to do. Or I want to be provide for myself, and when I meet somebody, like, you know, let's say I want to be a doctor, and I meet a man, if you're heterosexual, and you want to meet a man, they don't have to be a good provider, now we can do more together. Or there's a hybrid of the two, right, for a woman. They can um, be like a partial stay-at-home mom, or what have you. But the point is, to most women, through society's training, they depending on which kind of road or avenue they want to go down, will choose a suitor like money is a factor. Sometimes. And sometimes not. Right? So, it just depends. It depends on a lot of things. But it, basically, what I'm trying to say is, not having ever been a woman, what I see is that you either have those one or two choices or a hybrid. You can either care about money and want to find someone who is kind of, you know, able to bring a little bit more extra to the table so that you can relax uh, and focus your energy and attention on raising a family. Or you go the opposite and say, no, I think it should be equal and I'll make, or, or you're the breadwinner, possibly. Right? And the, the dude's the stay-at-home. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter, but I'm just saying, typically you only have that option, those two options, or a hybrid. So t in the male gender roles, when you're dating, those are always in the back of your mind. I've never been homosexual. I don't know how it is. It could be something similar. I don't know. Um, but my point is, these are always in the back of your mind, especially when you start dating in the courtship phase. Right? The, in my experience, and what I notice when speaking to other males, is that they do feel an obligation to pay and, and, you know, bring flowers and all that stuff. But there's also a sense of pride with that, too. I, you know, I'm very proud when I bring, or I used to be, I mean, I just love doing it now, but I love swimming my soulmate. But, like, I used to love, I had pride in bringing flowers and chocolates and cookies and whatever I could think of to, to, you know, put a smile on her face or what have you. So it's not like there's, there's some men that feel the obligation and then there's also some men that feel a sense of pride in it. So why is that important? Because if you're going into a dating uh, situation and you're the man, you might not notice the woman's money problems for quite some time. Because you're that type of guy that's like paying, you know, picking up the check and doing all this stuff. And it might not be that apparent till way down the road. Well, why is that important? Because you don't want to get blindsided by it. Or maybe we should say, here's what to do if you get blindsided by it. Okay. Let's just go into that now. Let's say you've been dating for a while, and it's not the beginning, and you're dating for a while, and then something happens, and you notice finally, because you haven't paid attention, maybe you're just high on love, and you're like, in that, you know, super fun phase, and it's, you know, getting kind of hot and heavy, and you're just like, wow, this is, this is really great, life could be good with this person, and you're a few months in, and then something happens, and you see this, you know, the kind of Cupid's arrow's kind of worn off a little bit, and you're like, whoa you got some serious money problems here, some serious things going on. 
you want to address the elephant in the room. When you see it, you want to address it. Depending, of course, what your heart says and depending, of course, on the situation. You're not going to address it in front of their family or some shit, you know what I mean, or in front of their friends. you got to be tactful. But when you see it, you want to sit down or whatever, go for a walk with your date or your mate or whatever you want to say, your lover, and kind of address it from a place of honest curiosity. Because when someone has money problems, it's never about the money problem. I'm, I'm the financial shaman, let me tell you. I've been talking to people about their money issues for over a decade. It's never about the fucking money. There's always something deeper. It's just like when people say, oh, you know, those alcoholics or those addicts just got to kick the habit. No, 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 no. Those are symptoms of something much deeper. So, so are money problems. Some not good enough stories, some self-judgment, some lack of self-worth, some beating yourself up, some thinking you don't deserve. Most people block money from coming to them with their victim story, not good enough story, or non-deserving story. 90% of, you could say, all the wealth that people block is from that. The rest is a lot of nuance and spider webs and how to untangle all that shit. But those are the big, like, like structures of scarcity. Okay, so... And, and funny enough, they're the same structures of alcohol and, and drug abuse. Um, this whole... Not, I, most people who are addicted and on the streets believe they deserve to be there. Believe that's what God wants for them. Okay. So... Uh, it's always about deserving. Or self-judgment or self-worth. So... Recognize that when you come across it, it's not about the money. There's something underneath. However, this is like dismantling a ticking time bomb. You gotta be very careful. You can't just come out and say, especially if you're a dude, don't try to, you're not trying to fix anybody. Nobody needs to be fixed, right? You're just exposing a blind spot. You gotta be very gentle. Especially when it comes to money problems. When you see it, you gotta address it. You guys gotta go, Sweetheart, you know, I'm noticing this pattern. I say sweetheart to everybody, so don't. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. How did sweetheart get offensive? So, I mean, I say it with love, not with demeaning. But, there we go. Where are we at? So you notice this, you gotta say, you know, sweetheart, or whatever your pet name is for your lover, if you have one. Um, I love you so much, or if, if you're at that stage, I don't know. And what I notice is there's nothing wrong. It's just what I'm noticing. And I just want to bring awareness to it and come from a place of curiosity to understand you better. I want to understand you more. I want to get to love you deeper. And to do that, I got to understand kind of what your perception is about money. And maybe you could use mine that I use with all my clients. What did your parents teach you about money? Because that's a great way to start the conversation. Because it highlights that most people are carrying beliefs from their parents, especially about money, because no one else teaches them. It's not taught in school. So most people are carrying their parents' money beliefs to some extent or another. 
So you could ask that and just see where it goes. Or just come from a place of curiosity and say, sweetheart, I see this problem. Has this been happening a lot? Does this happen a lot? And there's no shame in it. We've all faced it. I'm just trying to understand, right? And then you can see when you come at it like that, from genuine curiosity, you can see how the reaction is. If they blow up, then that's, you know, an indicator that this is a very touchy subject and that might be time to see if it's a red flag, checking in with your heart. Because if you can't even talk about it, that's problems. That's only problems in the future for that. You got to be able to talk about these things. Now, if they're in a heated state, you could try again. But if you notice a pattern where they can't even talk about it without getting emotional or upset, then you also got to reveal that to them too. They're like, sweetheart or lover or, you know, snookums, I don't know. <laughs> what, uh, what, uh, what I'm noticing is my awareness is this. I just want to reflect this back to you that each time I've tried to bring this up to get to understand and see if I can even help. You will get upset. So help me understand that. Are you at least aware of that? Do you understand? Do you have a, a good idea why that is? Right? So it's always coming from we're just talking. It's just a conversation. How can a conversation harm you? What's under threat in a conversation? You're going to look foolish. Your ego's going to look foolish. That's the only thing that's under threat. Your ego's going to be exposed. And it doesn't like that. You're just talking. It's just words, right? You're not holding them at knife point saying, tell me about your money problems, right? What the fuck? So what's really under threat here? Now, when, if, it, if they open up and start talking, you want to understand never to rescue them. You never give, especially in the dating stage, never give your um, significant other any kind of money. Do not rescue them from their problems because that will continue the problem. It's like giving a drug addict who's, try, who's trying to understand their addiction more of their addiction. Here's more of your drug. Oh, you're going through withdrawals? Here's more of your drug. That's what giving people money who are having money problems is. Now, there may be times where your heart calls you to do that because it's very severe. Or because whatever, you need to show them whatever. If the heart says to do it, great. But if not, it's probably because you don't want to rescue them from the problem because the problem will persist. The problem is there for them to solve, not for you to solve. Help would be in the form of talking about it and seeing if you can see a perception that may be causing them to stay in scarcity, to push away opportunity, to self-sabotage. You know, if you start talking, they're like, well, my mom, who I love so much, I, I noticed she taught me, you know, that there's never enough. Or that when you get close to having enough, you got to blow it. Or, you know, savings is stupid. Or whatever, I don't know. That bunny's the root of all evil, or whatever. And you just got to go, okay, well, do you think that's serving you or not? Right? This is how we go. And then you say, go 
to thefinancialshaman.com and talk to Larry. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Shameless plug. Kidding. No, I'm not going to be there with you. You got to do this on your own. And we just do it by just talking. Awareness without judgment. If I'd have fucking known that 20 years ago when I started dating, right? Awareness without judgment. You got to show them that you just want to look at something without judging it as wrong. Because if it's looked at, if it's seen as awareness, as a pattern, and you see it, then you can catch it the next time. But if you judge it, it starts to spiral out of control. If you say you shouldn't be doing that, or you should be evolved, or you should be smarter than that, or some shit, that's just going to blow up the time bomb. You have to be very tactful with this. Now, let's juxtaposition. What if you're a woman who's been taught to look for a good provider, and you've come across a guy with money problems? There's two things you need to notice. Is it your brainwashing that wants to drop this guy? And saying he's not a good provider. Or is it your heart saying he's not ready for this kind of a relationship yet? You've got to know before the knee-jerk reaction. And when you have your heart saying, no, I want to stay dating this guy even though he has money problems, do not immediately think that it's going to be this way forever. This is where a lot of women get scared. They start to picture their future and the money problems will still be there. That's where they like get the knee-jerk reaction and run. You don't know the future. Nothing is under threat in the future from dating someone with money problems today. Okay? You're just evolving with someone. That's it. And they are there for a reason, especially if your heart is saying to date them. If you're excited, you're leaping with joy, and you're starting to feel yourself fall in love, and this guy has money problems, ultimately, that's what your heart wanted. You have to look in the mirror and say, okay, why is this here? Do I need to step up and lead by example and do my own thing with money? Maybe it's something we need to learn together if I don't have the wherewithal myself. Okay? If you're dating someone with money problems, a guy with money problems, my suggestion would be, in the beginning stages, before you can feel, unless you feel confident pointing it out right away, but in the beginning stages, what I would do is let him off the hook and do frugal dates. You know, the Netflix and chill, the going for a hike, something that's free, you know, pack a picnic, whatever, something cheap, eat in. Do that three or four times so the money isn't a part. The money problem isn't a part of getting to know the rest of that person. It doesn't hinder him and he doesn't have to be all stressed about money and, oh my God, I got to get flowers and take her somewhere nice. (laughs) I just lost my job or whatever it is. I don't know what their money problem is. So my point is, if you notice it early on, let him off the hook a little bit, go a little frugal to get to know them more. And if you're starting to get to know them and you're like, wow, this money problem is kind of out of context because everywhere else... You know, he's pretty awesome. 
then once you feel comfortable and you've gotten to know him more, you got to know his triggers and his kind of baggage and see where he's at in his evolution, then you can say, sweetheart or snookums or whatever, I noticed this thing you got going on here. And I'm just bringing awareness to it. It's not that you're not a good enough provider and I'm not like searching for that. So please don't try to beat yourself up over this. I'm just trying to understand where you are with money right now. What do you believe about money? And why do you believe this challenge is here? You always want to belittle money problems or shift them, not belittle them as in like, this is, you're, you're bigger than this. Not like that. I mean, you always want to make sure they know that the problem, the money problem they're facing isn't bigger than they are in a gentle way. The way I do it is always just reminding them there's always enough. And every single fucking time they face the challenge, they've beaten it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here talking to me. That's just how I do it. So I'm always just holding space that it's all going to be good. And this challenge is there to grow them. But do they know that? Where are they in that? Because if you're really broke, and especially if you're dating someone that you like, as a guy... Man, is that stressful. You're always, gonna, you're always feeling like you're going to be found out. So as the woman, you got to f- be the, you know, find out gently. If you like them. I mean, if you don't, you just tell them to fuck off, I guess. Or, you know, go handle their problems and come back. Now, what if you're broke, but your heart is saying to go date? What if you're the one having money problems and your heart is saying to date someone? (sighs) Well, you've got to understand that if that's happening, it's happening for a reason. First of all, there will always be enough. So maybe it's to get to know someone without that being a factor. Because on the reverse, if they like you and you still have money problems, then either they want a shit show (laughs) and all your drama, or they genuinely like you, which is what I was getting at. That was a joke. It's also a great time for you to check in to see how you judge your own value. Because if you judge your value based on the amount of money in your bank account... You are already lost in this game of life. Your value is not found in the bank account. Your value to someone isn't in in the money that you bring to the table. That's the brainwashing of society. On both sides of the gender. The brainwashing of society says your worth is about how much net worth you have. Your value is how much money has been exchanged for the value you give. That's bullshit. 
Your value is immeasurable. Your value is immeasurable. And if your heart is saying to do something, you have to follow it. If you're not following your heart, what are you following? It means the dating is maybe there to show you that the money doesn't mean that much. To, to, to good people who, not good, good's not the right word I want to, to loving, to unconditionally loving people, the money doesn't matter. How much money you have doesn't matter. I've gone through giant swings. My soulmate's seen a couple of them. She's, you know, we're still, that doesn't matter. She's gone through some serious swings. And a man, I wanted to rescue her a couple of times. But my heart said, no, she's got this. If it's the right person, money shouldn't fucking matter. And you know that. Your heart knows that anyway. But your head's going to try to talk you out of it. Either on the side of, oh man, I'm going to have to fix their money problems. Or on the side of, I can't put myself out there if I have money problems. I did that for years, gang. And I don't, like... Like, I don't, I'm not talking with regret or anything, but I am talking with, you know, if I did it over, I wouldn't. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're in all these startup modes and you're just hustling to get something off the ground, you don't have a lot of extra or you don't perceive yourself to have a lot of extra to just be going on trips and doing all this stuff. And I've gone through multiple phases of startups in my life. So there was large chunks of time where I didn't put myself out there at all. I didn't even flirting or anything. And what that does is it erodes your confidence. Now, I gained a lot of confidence from learning sales, and I gained a lot of confidence from entrepreneurship and being decent at business. <clears throat> but that doesn't truly translate over. It does a little bit in the, in the ease in which you communicate with. You know, I have a nice vocabulary. But it doesn't really translate too, too much. I mean, all sales and communication and personal, inter interpersonal communication skills are great. But as far as confidence goes, when talking to the, uh, in my case, the opposite sex, it didn't translate very well. And the, the longer you're away, the more the ego starts to eat away from dating. The more the ego starts to eat at your resiliency to get back up and try again. They're just like, why bother? I keep getting rejected. Or why bother? I got other things to do. Do you understand that one night of passion, consensual, obviously, and all, you know, following all the rules, the laws, I should say, not the rules. <laughs> One night of passion, consensual passion, could wake you back up to be like, oh yeah, life's not that, <laughs> life's not that bad. If you've never had this happen, I'd be shocked. But sex is there to balance out all the stress and fear. You are the most clear-headed thinking the five to ten minutes after sex. After orgasm. 
not because you just got to the you know promised land or anything like that, but because the energy within orgasm is like temporary enlightenment. It's that that energy is more akin to your true nature than anything. And so just, you know, an instantaneous brush with that energy can bring all your, you know, stress levels, cortisol, all that to the right levels and you just go, oh, oh yeah, life's not, life's not that bad. There's, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. It can give you your confidence back. It can give you your, your feeling that the universe is supporting you back. Just with one night or whatever. Noon or I don't give a shit. Whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. So that could be why your heart is saying to do that. It could also be because it wants you to see how you show up. It wants to show you your fears. Because if your heart says, I want you to go talk to that person and see if they want to go on a date and all your fears come up, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? It could be doing that to expose those things. So it's just like, do you see all this shit that we got to deal with? I'm just trying to get you laid. Look at this. All of the money problems you're thinking about. You're thinking about your parents. You're thinking about your body. You're thinking about your 401k for some reason. Like what? They they going to check that on your first date? This is what happens when you follow the heart's calling. When you go to find out and master what you're put on this earth to do, it runs you smack dab into all your limiting beliefs. It runs you smack dab into all the things that's saying you can't. It could it could be that your heart is saying to put yourself out there on date because of that. To look at your worthiness story. Why does it matter what's in the bank account? To just see if you like somebody. Most people can understand the same thing when it comes to body problems. I've, you know, I've heard this time and time, I'm too fat to date or I'm too ugly or whatever. You can't tell me there's not ugly fat people having sex. Like most people can see their own self-criticism with their body. But the self-criticism when it comes to the money is a little bit sneakier. It's a little bit more hidden. And that's why a lot of the times the heart's going to tell you to put yourself out there when you're broke. Or date somebody with money problems if if it's saying to do that. Now, let's shift gears here. What if you've been dating someone for a long time and they have money problems temporarily? Well, I I would say there's two types, right? There's two types of money problems when you've been dating someone for a long time. Is it a temporary or is it a pattern? Like, if it's just a job loss, like, so let's say you're dating someone or you're, you know, in a love relationship, long-term, deep relationship... And they have a job loss. Well, first of all, all job losses are a good thing. 
Every single time you lose a job, it's a great thing. Because it means change is here. The universe is changing something in your life, something major. And you have an opportunity to see job loss is always a great time to check in. Is it time to do something different? Since I'm going to be looking for a job anyway, is it time to try something else? And if you're like, well, I've only been trained for this thing and I can't make a lateral move without going back to school. Oh my God. Stop. There's your brainwashing. You don't think the right opportunity is there if your heart wants it? If your heart's telling you to do it? If your heart's saying, let's say you're an electrician like I was, and your heart's saying, it's time to go be a math teacher. You don't think there's an open spot for that somewhere? At some crazy Montessori school who wants to hire you that you don't have a degree? I don't know. That's just an example. My point is, if your heart's telling you to do something, then the opportunity is already there. Waiting for you to let go of this bullshit story. So many people talk themselves out of their dream life. If you only knew what I knew about self-sabotage, oh my goodness. This is how people create a hell for themselves. They self-sabotage everything they want. You can't tell me that the people living in the trailer park that are flat broke don't want to be there. To some extent, on a soul level, they want to be there. They're enjoying a horror movie. Not that there's anything wrong with a trailer park or whatever. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying, people living in extreme poverty want to live in extreme poverty. On a soul level, they want to experience scarcity because this is the only place you can experience it. That's what they came to experience. And they do it through self-sabotage. By saying, I'm not good enough. No, no opportunities will ever come to me. And then they literally trip over and walk over opportunities all day long. And push them away. Nope, I can't date that special someone who keeps flirting with me because I'm broke. Because I'm ugly. Because I'm fat. And they push it all away. And then maybe they get up the courage to say, oh, they do want to go on a date with me. And then they flake. They blow it. They put their foot in their mouth, throw up on the, you know, whatever. They throw up at the dinner table. Because they have a belief system that they're not good enough. So anything that comes close to making their life good enough, they have to destroy it. Or talk themselves out of it. I know, because I did it. I watched it. And it was the genesis of what I was, like, besides, like, trying to figure out money... Because I was doing that my whole life, basically. But what I noticed when I stopped to look at it was I see myself 
I see what I want, and I see myself fuck it up. Who's in control of my life if I'm not? Because (laughs) why would I destroy what I want? That was the genesis for starting to look at things a lot differently. And so this is why both money and dating is such a great topic. Because how many people sabotage love all day long? All day long. I can't watch a romantic comedy or any kind of movie or show with romance in it without people putting their foot in their mouth. Like it's like, oh, this is just what we do now. We just destroy everything and then feel sorry for ourselves and then try to fix it. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that sees this pattern. Every single romantic comedy writer is, uses the same exact formula every single time. You meet somebody, you don't feel good about yourself, but they like you anyway, and you start to hope for a good life, and then you put your foot in your mouth. You fuck it up somehow. Or there's some commu- miscommunication. You fall out, and then magically you come back together at the end when you put your differences aside. Sorry, I just ruined every romantic comedy for you ever. When we finally set our baggage aside and say, we want to make this work. And we'll figure it out. They let themselves have the happy ending. But a lot of people don't do that. There's just as, much tra- there's just as many tragedies as there are, hor- are romantic comedies. I say horror movies. I think tragedies are horror movies, just different flavor of horror movie. It's something you don't want to have happen. It's like the worst case scenario. So I I look at tragedies as a horror movie, personally. Like, you're not telling me Romeo and Juliet was in a horror movie? That was a fucking horror movie. They both died and they didn't get to have happiness together. Or unless you see how they had happiness and death in heaven or whatever, if you look at it that way, I guess. That's a fucking horror movie. You fall in love with somebody? Only to have your family say that you can't date them? Thanks, family. Uh, you don't want me to be happy? I can't follow my heart? Who the fuck are you? Whose side are you on? You think you know what's best for me? I don't even know what's best for me. How the fuck do you know? No, oh, I can't date them? Well, fine. We'll just run away together. And then then these crazy extreme measures happen, right? If your heart is saying to date, what are your options? To listen or not listen. Option one, you follow your heart, and yeah, you're going to run into maybe some rejection. Maybe some blind spots. Maybe some putting your foot in your mouth. Maybe some slap the forehead moments. Oh, what an idiot. And all of those will help you grow. The other option is to not listen to your heart and stay miserable. 
What do you want to do? What's funny is you have that option even if you have to look at that choice even if you choose to stay miserable. Because every time you're reminded that you're alone, you, you have to go, well, my heart does want me to put myself out there. Yeah, get your ass out there. But I'm, you know, too fat or too broke or whatever. So you have to look at it every time you're reminded that you're alone if you don't listen to your heart. If you listen to your heart, at least you don't have that nagging regret of like, hey, well, at least I'm listening to it. I'm trying. Right? It's not working, if it's not working. Or, you know, I'm running into these things and, well, I met this, this person's nice. They're not what I was looking for, but it's fun for now. You know, or whatever. I don't know. Whatever life takes you, whatever love takes you. No wrong way to do it. No perfect scenario. And, and at the same time, every scenario is perfect. Perfect for you to evolve. Because that's what all relationships are there to do. Help you evolve. Ideally in a fun way. So what if you're a serial dater? Oh, I dated this person for a few weeks and this one for two months and this one for a week. And Did all of them help you evolve? Then great. Don't judge that. That's your journey. You learn something from all of it. You learn something about yourself from all of them. Sometimes you got to go through a lot of people, right? And all of them are there to help you. It's so funny because when I met my soulmate, I finally got, yes, my baggage showed up, which was fun, but I got to see in a lot of ways how every relationship before that helped me prepare for this one. Every relationship I had learned more about who I was Learn more about that baggage. Learn more about that not good enough story or whatever, you know. And so when it came time to finally court my soulmate, I had a lot of practice. And that practice was absolutely needed. By contrast... She was out of practice for getting out of a long-term relationship. And so we got to see this beautiful contrast and a little bit of butting heads here and there because of the different dichotomy of practice. So don't judge what the universe is bringing you when you're putting yourself out there. Just keep doing it. Just keep following your heart. Never rescue someone from their money problems. Never ask someone to rescue them. Rescue you from your money problems. Because they'll only persist. They'll keep going. And money problems are a great challenge to overcome. They grow you. So don't steal that growth from someone. I hate it when a man tells me, oh yeah, no, my wife doesn't work. As soon as we got together, 
you know, I, I, you know, I have plenty of money. She doesn't need to. I'm like, you fucking asshole. You just crippled her ability to make money and leave your ass, first of all. And second of all, now she doesn't get the spiritual growth from all of that. The highs and lows of money, the checking in with her heart. Why is this happening? The questioning herself, questioning the alignment with abundance. All of this amazing growth now is gone. Thanks. Talk about the old way of doing things. And if you're a woman and you want that, be very careful of what you're, be very, be very careful what you wish for. Now you're a trophy wife and you're stuck. You'll be the same exact plastic person until you die. But of course, always follow your heart over what anything I have to say. If it, if my, if what I say helps spark conversation with your heart or with your lover or helps you look at things in a different way, great. You don't have to say it and take anything I say as gospel truth. Your heart is the ultimate guide. I can't be there with you to see what's going on. I can only imagine. And what I imagine is if you hold space, which is to see that everything in someone's life, including their money problems, is happening for them, for their evolution and growth, for their path to the highest and best self. If all of it is for them, you're not, rescuing doesn't make sense. Also being afraid to talk about it doesn't make sense either. If you're afraid to talk about something, it's because either you're afraid of negative emotion because you don't know how to process it or you think it's bad. You've labeled it bad. It's not for you. It's happening to you. You're looking at worst case scenarios and you're worrying. Worst case scenario, or worrying is worst case scenarioing. It means you're focused on the worst possible thing that you could think happened. How could this thing get worse? That's where fear and anxiety comes from. One of the basic building blocks. So, don't let money problem problems stop you from following your heart. Ever. Period. End of sentence. And especially when it comes to relationships. If your heart is saying, stay, even though there's money problems, that's there for you, there for you to learn something. If your heart is saying it's time to leave, it's time to leave regardless of the money. I hate when people blame the money. When, when people get divorced and decide, it's like, oh, you know, it was the money. No, it wasn't. It was never a money problem. That might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But it was never a money problem that caused divorce. Bullshit. It's usually someone who wants a scapegoat that says that. That doesn't want to look in the mirror and say, no, I didn't listen to her or him or them. I didn't listen. I didn't pay attention to their needs. I only cared about me. I was a dick in that relationship. They don't want to look at that, so they blame the money. Oh, I lost my job and they left. What a bunch of crap. 
Like 50% of all marriages end a divorce. I'm sorry. 50% of all divorces are because of money problems. Fuck you, that's bullshit. That's a straight up lie. Zero percent of divorce are because of money problems. Zero percent. You know how I know? Because there's always enough money. And if you really love someone, you would stick it out regardless of the money. You would follow your heart no matter what the money situation was. So either you're terrified because you haven't cleaned up your money bullshit or you're looking for a scapegoat that says, oh, she left me because of, she left me for someone with more money. No, she left you for someone who could listen to her, who had emotional intelligence where you were the Neanderthal. And you could reverse those. It's just a hypothetical. It doesn't have to be gender specific. No one leaves anybody for the fucking money. That's bullshit. And if they say that, they haven't looked in the mirror. Because I guarantee if you would have given them a bunch of money, if you would have rescued them with money, they'd still have the same problems and they'd probably still leave. So that's a lie. Anywho, let's wrap it up on a positive note. If your love is unconditional, why would money problems matter? If your love is unconditional, why would money problems matter? No matter what you do, know that Source's love for you is unconditional. The best word, the best name for God there is, is unconditional love. You can never stop being unconditionally loved. You can only pretend that you can stop. So to experience what that's like. But you will never stop being loved. So, take heed in that. We are different ducks on the same pond. Different snowflakes on the same mountain. My unconditional love to you. One heart, same family. Be gentle with yourselves and your lover. No one needs to change for you to be happy. Relax. Try to enjoy yourself a little bit more. Maybe have a little bit more sex. I always say, you want to be more spiritual. More sleep, more sex. Consensual, obviously, always. Be well. See you next time.